last week we received a, a, a sick note from the chairperson indicating that uh, once again you will not be available in today's meeting ministers and colleagues so now guided by the rules of the is national Mr. assembly of the second 139 of the committee uh, the committee uh, on the day should have uh, should, should, should identify a member to be the acting chairperson up until the chairperson comes back now I wish at this stage to, to request members uh, to nominate an acting chairperson for the for the meeting up until the chairperson comes back. Over to you two members. Maskole. Honorable Gibi. Honorable Gibi. Thank you, thank you, Maskole. Uh, good morning, honorable members and ministers and deputy ministers. I nominate Honorable Lisoma to be the chairperson up until further notice. Thank you. Thank you, Honorable Kibi. Maskole, I can't raise my hand the other way. That's Ntuli. Maskole. No, I, I, I know you, Honorable, not Honorable Ntuli. Thank you. Chairman. Yes. Can, yes, can, I, can I speak now? Yes, Honorable Nduli. Yes, I, I, I rise up to second Honorable Gibi uh, for the nomination of committee, uh, Honorable Lesoma as the chairperson of this committee uh, till, till further notice. Thank you, Honorable uh, Nduli. Uh, Honorable Lesoma has been nominated and seconded. Uh, do we have any other any other nomination for the acting position? I always say silence is golden. Uh, Ms. Lesoma, do you, ask, do you accept the nomination? Uh, thank you, uh, Maskole. I do until further notice. Uh, thank, thank you so right. much. Thank you so much, uh, Honorable Lesoma, and congratulations to you. Uh, please take uh, take the meeting. I thank you. Thank you very much, uh, Maskole, and good morning, colleagues and DM and your delegation. The meeting is officially open. Uh, I quickly just start by appreciating uh, the trust that you have put upon myself on behalf of the chair. Until he comes back, uh, we'll continue to do our robust oversight as expected. Thank you. Appreciation of being an acting chair. Maskole, we then need to look at the apologies. Have you received any apologies other than the chairperson's apology that has been recorded already? We have an apology from Honorable Tabakulu, uh, acting chair. And also from the ministry, uh, I received an, a letter from 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 uh, the minister, uh, uh, Mr. Mtembu, apologizing as well. Those are the only two apologies that I have. Thank you, um, uh, honourable members. Those are the uh, are the apologies with reasons. Uh, are they accepted or adopted by the meeting? Accepted by the meeting? I get an indication. Chair, Chair, Honourable Chair, can you hear me? Uh, Honourable Schreiber. 
Morning, Chair. I just yes. like to request the reasons for the minister not being able to attend. What is the reasons that he indicated in that letter? The, the reason is the letter is in the cabinet meeting that he has to, uh, to to be there. He would have loved to join us. So it's in writing, honourable member. Uh, with that, are we accepting the apologies, honourable members? Uh, honourable Chair. Honourable Kibi. Thank you, honourable Chair. I move that we accept the apologies. Thank you, Chair. Thank you, Honourable Member. Uh, thank you, Honourable Members. Uh, that will bring us to the purpose of today's meeting, but there are a few points that I would love to make, Honourable Members, that uh, uh, we are gathering. Welcome back from the recess, by the way, and I hope we had a very uh, blossom uh, oversight. Uh, as we expected also to do the oversight as well. But also, Honorable uh, Maluma, it's Honorable Selecta. Uh, I know that we were, uh, we were on recess when you lost one of your loved ones. Uh, I would like on behalf of the committee again to formally also record our sincere heartfelt condolences for your loss and you and your family find strength in the mighty Lord through this difficult time, but even for those ones who have lost their loved ones throughout the country and throughout the world, uh, or because of the uh, epidemic of COVID-19, we say the good Lord may shoulder them and look upon them favorable. And those ones who are sick to have a speedy recovery, and all of us ensure that we try our level best to have a healthy, safe living, as it were, and uh, be compliant with the regulations of COVID-19. And, uh, and of course, we are not uh, out of the woods, although we are now at level, uh, level two, that most of the things are now starting to, 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 to operate. And also for economic reasons that we don't totally shut down our economy. But all members, I'm sure DM will respond to this and take note of this, that uh, I would like on behalf of the committee to register our server of receiving the documents fairly late, which then empowers members to our service members to engage and cross-reference other issues and other, other statements because you are aware that we receive a summarized version. We would have loved also to get the full comprehensive report so that we could cross-reference and greatly for the committee. And I'm sure DM and your delegation will take note of that one that it doesn't repeat itself moving forward. Uh, and I'm sure you'll recall that uh, we, we did say it before, sometime earlier this year, and it's happening for the second time. But also the, the, the point that in relation to the to the uh, presentation and the program that specific of both departments were given the, the program, our this quarter program on time, we would also professionally as supposed to be that if the department sees that they will have some difficulties in terms of uh, uh, responding or favorable also be ready for the item on the agenda item scheduled for the day, would advise us on time so that also we can have some time to also to just juggle around with the, with the problem. 
And of course, when we adopted the program before we go for recess, we said it's a working document. So we will really appreciate if the department also can be upfront to say we are not ready. Because even for the reasons that you stated, DM, I would say DM because you are representing the department. In terms of the performance upgrade of the teachers, um, it doesn't hold water from where I'm seated because the role of DPSA is to formulate policies and DPME has to monitor thereof. The signing and the submission of the DG's performance agreement and also within the, 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 the provinces as well um, should at, at any given time in a year, in March, not later, in March, by end of March, they should have submitted that, which means that the systems are not old enough because March now is four months down the line. So I, I just want to raise that one that, uh, and I hope moving forward, we will appreciate that. By law, it's more of a mandatory one that we committed ourselves as a government or as a country or as parliament to say that shall happen. We know that DPME supports the, the president in terms of facilitation thereof which means there has been some realization of, uh, of some sort in terms of ensuring that it monitors that. But also we observe that it might be because of the COVID-19 that has destabilized the focus because we have to re also rework your, your plans and so forth. But I felt that on behalf of the committee, hopefully members will agree with me, I must just register that. And moving forward, we are expecting that we get the presentation five days, five working days before the day, so that if there are anything that additional information that we require the, the department to be ready, they could do that. With those remarks, uh, honorable members and the DM and your delegation, uh, I will request that you tell us whether you are going to do the political, I'll request that you do the political overview and then you allow, you identify among your, your, your team members whether it's the DG to make a presentation. Uh, I'll hand over to you. You will be uh, presenting the, the COVID-19, as it were, uh, observations and uh, also if there are any mitigating factors that you have employed and the challenges that we'll take up from there and the members collectively will engage on your presentation. Over to you, ma'am. Yes, morning. Uh, thank you. Thank you, Chair. And good morning to portfolio committee members and also to greet the DG and the delegates from the Department of Planning, Monitoring and Evaluation. Am I audible? Yes, you are. I am. Thank you. Yes. Thank you for for the opening remarks. Let me just agree and concur with you that we, we, we will comply with the calendar which you have provided to us. And we will correct our mistakes of giving you the report late. We will ensure that we give it to you in five days time so that you can also be able to prepare yourself to read and also hold us accountable. We, we remain committed in doing that, and the DG is also committed to that. The DG and the team, they will go into to details 
I will just do an overview like you indicated. Uh, we are going to be speaking on two items and other ones which you probably will ask and so forth. In relation to COVID-19, so, um, we have we have termed the report a quarter one COVID-19 report because it starts from April until June. Uh, it, it's purely based on COVID um, and it will serve as a, base, a baseline for future pandemics. What is happening is that in the report, it does not speak about MTSF. MTSF will be a separate item. In the report, we are communicating what is it that since uh, the declaration of the pandemic, the lockdown, uh, stage five until today, we're in stage two, what is it that government has been doing to respond to the unforeseen and unplanned um, pandemic from the 26th of March? We will go into detail to speak about measures which we had government had introduced to assist in curbing the virus, but also to educate our people about what is it that they need to do, what is it that they don't need to do. The report will also speak in relation to various relief funds which um, various departments had put in place and they, have, they are continuing to outroll them. And where are we? We are also going to be speaking about the MTS review roadmap. We call it a review roadmap because at the time when we opted, government opted to review the MTSF. Maybe, Chair, you can ask somebody who is speaking to maybe mute their mics. Okay, honorable members and colleagues, kindly uh, mute your mics and also switch off your videos if you may, your camera. Thank you. Mm, okay. Thank you. Okay, thank you. The MTSF review, we call it a review because uh, the projections which we had made uh, in between the pandemic around June when we started the process, not June, around April when we started the process of reviewing the MTSF, we have come to realize that the pandemic is still very much with us and therefore there is a need for us to review the MTSF. What we are bringing to the portfolio committee is information sharing and also to bring you along so that you are able to understand what is it that we are supposed to, we are going to be doing. This review uh, roadmap will still come back to, to Parliament for adoption and the, the portfolio committee. So we are just uh, bringing you to speed in relation to what informs us wanting to do the, the review of the MTSF. One is because um, there are three drivers which were not necessarily included in relation to the fourth IR commission. Um, about two or three weeks ago, the president received a review of, of or not necessarily a review, a report on the fourth, fourth IR commission. And therefore that necessitates that even in relation to the MTSF, we have to infuse part of the, of the, of the key drivers which are in the fourth IR. The, the other one is the NDP review. At the time when we reviewed the MTSF, uh, we had made certain projections. We are realizing that those, those projections also need to be reviewed because also the NDP has been reviewed and therefore it must find expression in the MTSF. The COVID economic recovery plan also needs to find expression. So those three are the main key drivers of the review of the MTSF. Uh, what we will do is that we will still take the the, the, the report to 
to cabinet, will also pass it through a cabinet lohota, and then it will still come back to, to, to the portfolio committee and eventually the, the entire parliament. Um, so basically that is what they are going to. So I'm going to allow the DG to to, to then go into details, and then after that we can interact in relations to questions which they, you, you might be having so that we can be able to clarify you. Once again, I want to retaliate, Chair. We are, we are committed to, to working with the Portfolio Committee. We are committed to ensuring that we, we provide you with, with reports on time. We also comply with the schedule that you have given us for this quarter, and we'll ensure that we do not fail you in that regard. Thank you. I'm going to request that the DG and the team, they... They take it from here. Uh, good morning, Chairperson, Honorable Members, and uh, DM. Uh, thanks for giving us uh, this opportunity to present our reports. As the head of the administration in our establishment, I need to take a responsibility and commit to work with a Parliament, respond to the requirements of Parliament, especially when it comes to submitting information on time. So, Chairperson, I will not give any excuse, including the fact that I'm the newest member of the management team. I take full responsibility and I'll make sure that we submit all the required documents to you well on, on time. Now, Chair, I've just seen in the agenda that we will present first the COVID report, quarter one report and then take discussions and then go to the next report that deals with the review of the MTSF, as the DM has already indicated. Now, Chairperson, without much ado, the first report is going to be delivered by DDG Mao Homo Chatsinde, supported by DDG Blake Lifatula. And once they are done, the next report is going to be presented by acting DDG Lindsay Martin in that order. And guided by the DM, we will then respond to all the questions that will be asked by honorable members. So with your permission, Chairperson and honorable members, let me ask the DDG, Chatsinde, uh, to start with the report. She has asked the Secretariat to project from her side because of, of, of some uh, uh, glitches. As uh, honorable members will know that she had some uh, physical, uh, some health uh, challenges. So she will take a lead in that regard and then supported by DDG Lifatuna. Over to you, DDG. Thank you very much. From my side, there is a big echo. I don't know what is happening. Uh, probably, ma'am, is, is it not your TV on or next to the TV? You can switch it off the TV and request them to switch off. One here with me. Okay, that, that, uh, that's fine. You may probably switch off here, but you can proceed. Okay. My name is Monica. I'm the I'm the DDG responsible for monitoring. 
Can she mute uh, acting chair? Yes. Can, can you do that? Uh, uh, Honorable Soma? Yes, I'm listening, Master. I have mu muted her on my side. Another possibility. Of, of the of, of the noise is when uh, uh, the delegation is sharing one office so you'll find that uh, oh, yeah. one speaker is is another corner another person so there's a, a bouncing of of, of the audio mm -hmm. and maybe you can advise the ddg to also just try to to to, to move away thank you okay a new castle okay i'm sure she had you uh ddg DDG you should me and let me mute her again. Please mute her again. Chairperson, with your permission, if I can intervene yes. and ask DDG Blakely Fatula to present instead, because he was also ready to, to, to compliment her. So let me ask DDG Lifatula to present going forward. And please advise her that you have replaced her. Thank you. Yes, I'll call her on the other side. Okay, thank you. Did you keep Blake? Over to you. Thank you. All right, thank you, Chairperson. Uh, good morning to the honorable members of the committee and uh, morning, Deputy Minister, and uh, morning, DG and uh, colleagues. Uh, my name is Blake Mosley Lifatula. I'm the DDG for Public Sector Monitoring and uh, Capacity Development. Um, can the Secretariat please present the presentation so that I can proceed? This presentation is going to be a report on the journey that we have followed as South Africans in responding to the coronavirus pandemic that is currently afflicting our country. Uh, it is based on on what has actually happened up until now and uh, it will to, it will reflect on the activities that has that have taken place in the pre-disaster phase and uh, in uh, the first two weeks of when the disaster was actually declared so this report will talk about the activities from March up until the second week in June. As such, a full impact assessment will not be possible given that this is a first quarter report. 
a full impact assessment of the efforts of government uh, in fighting the COVID-19 pandemic will be covered in the second quarter report, which will be due in two to three months from now, towards the end of September, end of October. If we can move on to the second slide, please. Just in relation to the second slide, it is important to indicate that when the pandemic actually happened, our country already had particular challenges in relation to a high unemployment rate, uh, huge degrees of poverty and uh, inequality. And uh, when the president actually spoke at uh, the State of the Nation address, a lot of government's attention was going to be directed at addressing those th three triple challenges. So when the coronavirus pandemic actually happened, it aggravated the challenges around poverty, unemployment, and uh, inequality. And uh, a lot of the plans that we actually had as government had to be amended to address how are we going to protect the citizens of the country from the COVID-19 pandemic over and above the normal socioeconomic development challenges that we actually had. I need to indicate that COVID-19, fighting the COVID-19 pandemic, there is no textbook all of us in government had to learn as we actually went ahead because it was a new phenomenon. And uh, the advantage that we had was we also managed to learn from, um, you know, countries elsewhere who had experienced uh, this pandemic much earlier than ourselves. That's the only benefit that we had, but otherwise there is no textbook solution uh, to the current uh, pandemic. Next slide, please. Slide number four. So in terms of, uh, you would see that for the periods of January up to March, a lot of the work that we actually did as government was to mobilize resources, put plans in place as to how we are going to be afflicted by this, uh, of how we are going to fight uh, this uh, particular pandemic. But by the 15th of March, it was quite clear that uh, something drastic actually had to happen. And hence, the president actually, by the 15th of March, actually, you know, declared uh, a, a national state of disaster. Uh, and it was quite clear, if you look at the statistics, it was quite clear that uh, there was a huge increase, you know, in terms of uh, the number of people actually infected. The first infection was detected by the 5th of March, and then it increased quite dramatically, you know, to the 23rd of March by, uh, uh, you know, uh, a huge, a, a huge number. And uh, on the 23rd of, uh, of, of March, the president declared a, a nationwide lockdown, you know, for 21 days, uh, because uh, the essential intention of government strategy then was to ensure that uh, 
we we flatten the curve firstly and then secondly we also uh, buy time to ensure the readiness of health facilities so that when we actually read the peak our facilities are not the health facilities are not actually going to be overwhelmed next slide please so uh, slide number seven please In terms of our response as uh, the South African government to the uh, COVID pandemic uh, 19, you would see that the strategy, if anyone does a reading of our strategy as South African government, our COVID-19 uh, pandemic strategy, you would see that it is actually anchored on seven pillars. One deals with uh, public health. The second one deals with social relief, food security and basic services. The third area relates to fostering national unity. The fourth area relates to support to small uh, small businesses, informal sector and workers. The fourth is business support and stimulus and rescue. The sixth is, is, very, is very critical, which relates to communication and information. And then of course, uh, the international aspect. So all these pillars would have different uh, objectives as to what is to be achieved. And uh, what this report is about, it's about how government has actually, the, the, the responses of government with respect to these seven pillars, and the actual activities that we actually undertook, and what are the preliminary lessons that we can actually learn um, uh, from the work that government has actually undertaken for the, given that uh, we, the report is written up to the second week or the last week in, in, in June, we are talking about uh, work done in about slightly less than three months or two and a half months, you know, at the most. Uh, next slide, please. Following the response, slide number, slide number eight. Following the re Can we get to slide number eight, please? Following the response from uh, government's um, initial uh, initial strategy to fight the COVID uh, pandemic, it was quite clear that we had to mobilize societies, uh, uh, society as a whole. And there was a whole lot of consultations that was actually undertaken uh, by the president um, and, uh, and, and the cabinet uh, to get society behind the efforts of government uh, to fight this pandemic and to get uh, the society behind and, and uh, society behind the strategy of government to fight this particular pandemic and to get society's buy-in and uh, cooperation. To the extent that the World Health you know, Organization also contributed, um, uh, the World Health Organization also uh, applauded uh, the efforts um, of uh, the South African government led by the president in uh, mobilizing society and getting society's buy-in and uh, having a listening ear you know, to what uh, uh, citizens, you know, in the country are actually saying, and that is essentially what slide number nine is uh, is referring to. If you can go to slide number ten, please. Uh, 
Secretariat, slide number 10. So how did we then respond to um, this pandemic? Um, not only did we release a strategy as, uh, as, 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 as government, but government also mobilized its uh, institutional, you know, infrastructure and set up uh, institutional mechanisms, you know, to deal with this particular pandemic. The first established was the National COVID-19 Command Council, the NCCC, uh, which was actually uh, chaired by the president and consisted of uh, members and experts, you know, from the scientific community. And this provided overall strategic direction and which would make which would make recommendations uh, to cabinet you know for adoption amendment and or rejection now it is important to note that the NCCC um, was actually replicated also at the provincial level and at the uh, local level a provincial government level and at the local government level at the provincial government level we've got the, the provincial disaster command you know centers and uh, at the uh, the local government level we would have it would be coordinated at the district you know district uh, national uh, district coronavirus command uh, center um, and all those respective um, uh, institutions at the provincial level and at the uh, local government level would have would mirror the activities of the of the of the NCC at the national level, and uh, they would also have their own work program and responsibilities, you know, cut out. It is important to indicate uh, that visible leadership has actually been given to the nation in the form of the president, uh, and uh, followed by 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 the ministers, uh, the respective ministers actually uh, affected, and. Uh, 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 President Ramaphosa has been very, very visible in terms of uh, uh, giving feedback, interacting with um, uh, the nation at uh, at uh, at uh, at intermittent on intermittent, you know, times. Uh, the particular strategy of government has been essentially, you know, to flatten the curve and to buy time to ensure that uh, the health facilities and the pandemic, uh, the the health facilities, you know, can actually happen, uh, can actually deal and manage the peak um, of, of this particular pandemic. It is important to indicate that in terms of the technical structures, there's a technical structure that is supporting the NCC, which is the national uh, joints or the net joints, um, which is chaired you know, by the Secretary of Defense. And uh, it, uh, <clears throat> the net joints would also have different uh, work streams uh, that deal with particular issues. Uh, just to give an example, some of the work streams would, would relate to the public health uh, infections and containment uh, work stream, which would essentially be dealing with, um, and it would have two subcommittees, which relates to the decontamination of public spaces and facility management. In other words, so the setting up of field, or, you know, hospitals, you know, etc. Then there's a work stream on travel restrictions, uh, uh, border security measures. There would be a work stream on the legal and regulatory measures that would deal with the, when, the, you know, the, the, uh, disaster regulations are issued and when disaster regulations are actually updated. There would be a work stream that deals with the economy, economic measures, uh, a work stream that deals with uh, the social impact and mediation measures. And then also critically, the work stream that deals on data and modeling, which essentially informs 
um, uh, the, 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 the projections and uh, the advisors that the uh, medical advisory you know, committee would actually make and the scientists would actually give you know, to government. And then uh, there's a work stream on enforcement you know, and security. Uh, it is also important just to indicate that uh, another critical uh, uh, coordinating structure that has actually been set up and that has been dealing with the pandemic relates to the, uh, the president's uh, coordinating, you know, council, uh, which includes the president. Uh, it includes the uh, the premiers of the different provinces and also representatives, uh, the mayors, you know, uh, as uh, as representatives, you know, from local government. Uh, I think it is important also to indicate that as part and parcel of mobilizing society's effort and uh, effort you know, behind uh, the fight, uh, 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 behind fighting this particular pandemic. Uh, the president has been leading the charge in terms of uh, consultations with uh, uh, other organs of civil society, which would be business, um, uh, your traditional leaders, um, and various other stakeholders in terms of uh, uh, hearing what their views actually are. Uh, strategizing, getting input from them in terms of putting strategies together and uh, and in, you know, uh, uh, crafting, communicating messages uh, to, to the broader public as such. So the president has been uh, the visible face in terms of fighting this particular pandemic. Uh, next slide, please. Uh, I think it is, uh, we also need to note the role of the media here, uh, that uh, uh, the South African government established a partnership with the media, and all of us uh, uh, have at times been glued, you know, to the media, uh, listening to um, uh, the updates, you know, that the president would actually give. There's quite a number of updates that the president uh, uh, gave, about five or six, I think, and then uh, those uh, updates that the president would give would actually be followed up by various uh, briefing sessions of the ministers affected um, uh, and who would be speaking on additional and would be speaking and elaborating on the regulations affecting their particular sectors, we, be it uh, the economy, uh, be it tourism, uh, be it um, um, you know, housing, be it education, you know, etc. So um, the <clears throat> the political leadership in the form of the cabinet has been fairly visible uh, to the public in terms of communicating uh, to uh, to the citizens of the country and uh, the the key messages you know, uh, the around uh, you know um, wearing a, a mask or a cloth uh, social distancing and washing of hands uh, intermittently you know during the day and in the evening uh, has been hit home uh, uh, quite uh, with uh, with with a huge amount of um, you know uh, regularity um, and uh, we also need to indicate that other media uh, 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 both print and electronic media have also contributed in terms of distributing the message, you know, of government of um, wearing a mask, social distancing and, uh, you know, washing of hands. And uh, uh, our colleagues in communications informs us uh, that over 200 interviews with different media houses have actually been done, you know, by uh, our, um, 
our 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 leaders in the form of the president together with the different uh, you know ministers um and the south african government we're also collaborating with social media you know to deal with fake news because it's important that fake news is actually dealt with uh asap so that it does not show uh you know so any you know confusion uh to um uh the citizens you know of the country uh, next slide please so in relation to uh, you know feedback and communication uh, i must indicate that um uh, uh, the performance of our political leadership has been quite you know uh, extraordinary uh, we have also uh, through the leadership and the advice given uh, by the uh, uh, medical advisory council and the and the NCCC um strategies to put in place uh, to address the issue of flattening you know the curve uh, related to mass screening uh, the president made the announcement on the 31st of march uh, around a massive community screening campaign which would actually be uh, implemented we have trained uh, community health workers and they basically started their work on the 3rd of april uh, you know, uh, on the 3rd of april and the screening started on the 8th of you know april uh, and also the health sector also intensified its own screening testing um and identification of contacts contact tracing you know etc uh with respect to the lockdown uh, it is important uh, as we all know that uh, the the basic uh, the department of basic education actually issued a circular to schools to close on the 18th of march and to reopen on the 14th of uh, of april and we all know uh, you know the challenges uh, with regard to um uh, how we as a country have tried to deal with uh, the impact of the coronavirus at uh, at 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 the schooling level uh, and at in fact also at uh, you know the edu at uh, the um other educational institutions such as universities and tertiary and, and other tertiary institutions so uh, in during the lockdown all post school education and training institutions universities tv tvet colleges and community colleges were closed uh, we all know what the regulations related to around uh, you know mass gather, mass mass gatherings those were actually banned um all uh, workplaces were actually uh, closed uh, except for those uh, you know essential services in in other words the economy was actually shut down uh, ex, uh, except for the essential services movement was actually curtailed uh, during um, uh, level 5 um, the challenge that we have uh, around uh, the homeless people uh, prior to uh, this coronavirus um, uh, that challenge was actually uh, addressed uh, by um, uh, the relevant authorities at the municipal level by uh, providing shelters for uh, uh, the homeless and uh, uh, feeding and also providing food uh, for the homeless um, visits to institutions uh, to such as hospitals as an example the prisons also were were curtailed and then of course not only was uh, national travel actually uh, 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 banned uh, for that particular period uh, intra-provincial travel was actually not permitted uh, the borders were also closed in for international travel etc so those were the features you know of uh, just a, a brief summary of the features of the lockdown 
um, of the lockdown, uh, uh, the when the lockdown was actually declared. Next slide, please. Uh, this is just a graphic uh, description of what I was actually talking to in the previous slide. Next slide, please. Uh, I think it is important to indicate that uh, uh, between um, the 1st of March to the 23rd you know, of March, there's been an average increase uh, of uh, cases by close to 42.7 you know percent and that was actually before the lockdown now when lockdown was actually instituted that reduced you know to about 4.4 percent so one can actually see um the impact that the lockdown actually had um, um and uh, if it is that this particular action, you know, has not been taken, we could have lost actually much, much, much more lives than what we actually currently, uh, you know, have, have lost. Um, so the lockdown basically achieved, you know, the purpose of number one, uh, trying to curtail the spread of the virus. Uh, trying to reduce, you know, uh, loss of lives and also buying time to ensure that the medical facilities um, have sufficient time to upscale uh, its, uh, its, its capacity. Next slide, please. Uh, this is just a slide that basically indicates how we can compare, you know, to the uh, United Kingdom. Uh, next slide, please. Uh, this is also a slide that uh, indicates our comparison in relation to other advanced, uh, you know, and least advanced, you know, countries. Uh, next slide, please. I think... Coming to the impact of the lockdown, uh, all of us are also um, know that uh, the lockdown has had a devastating impact on lives and livelihoods. Uh, firstly, in relation to food security, uh, uh, even before the lockdown, we had challenges, challenges around uh, uh, people who are actually food insecure. Uh, post, uh, Post the lockdown period, more people have actually been added to that pool who are actually food insecure. Uh, it is also common knowledge that when the schools were actually closed, those kids that actually had access to the school uh, nutrition program, uh, um, you know, uh, were disadvantaged, you know, by the fact that schools were actually, you know, closed. Um, it's also when you speak to people in the local government sphere, they'll indicate to you that uh, the, the impact of the lockdown on local government is, is, is fairly severe in the sense that municipal revenue collection has actually been placed under severe strain. And uh, Salga conservatively estimates a 5% drop in payment of municipal rates. Uh, and uh, this would actually amount to an estimated total amount of uh, what about uh, 14 billion, you know, in lost revenue. Uh, I think, uh, an important point also to be made is that uh, the lockdown 
because of the restrictions, because of the fact that there were no uh, sales, you know, of uh, of alcohol, um, uh, resulted in ensuring that there are less alcohol-related crimes, and also resulted in ensuring that the trauma cases, you know, at uh, the hospitals and uh, at the hospitals uh, and clinics were substantially, substantially um, uh, reduced. Uh, next slide, please. Uh, in terms of the, the, the impact that the lockdown has had on the economy has been fairly devastating. Uh, economic activity reduced substantially in April. Manufacturing almost came to a standstill. Um, uh, the South African Reserve Bank estimates, uh, you know, that our economy for this uh, financial year will contract by 7%. Uh, National Treasury is a bit more pessimistic and indicates by 7.2%. Um, a state survey that was done earlier indicated that about 36% uh, of firms indicated that uh, they would be laying off uh, staff. Um, most of the sectors that have been hard hit, you know, uh, relates to those in the trade, catering, accommodation, construction, manufacturing, finance and business services. Um, it is estimated that uh, uh, conservatively between six, nine, uh, 690,000 to 1.8 million job losses in the National Treasury. If you look at newspaper reports, other newspaper reports talk about close to 3 million jobs that have actually been lost. Uh, and it is also indicated that um, the bulk of the people actually affected relates, uh, re, uh, you know, are women and uh, those aged between 15 to 25 year olds, uh, and they are as they are concentrated in the most, um, in some of the hardest hit, you know, uh, sectors. And uh, so it, it it's 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 common knowledge that. Um, uh, you know, during the lockdown, many, many, many of our people actually experienced loss of income in some form, you know, or the other. Uh, so what COVID has done is that it has actually exposed the fault lines in our society. Um, um, it has exposed more people, you know, to hunger and food insecurity. And it has, in, you know, also increased, you know, people's vulnerabilities. Um, next slide, please. So what was our response as government? Uh, through the leadership of the president, the first phase of, uh, of announcements that he actually made on economic measures to mitigate the impact of the COVID-19 on the economy was uh, related to the Solidarity Fund, firstly. Secondly, it also related to the temporary employer-employee relief scheme, uh, which was introduced essentially to support uh, you know, workers by providing uh, wage support. Uh, there was also the Employment Tax Incentive Program uh, that was introduced. There was also a, a Tourism Relief Fund that was uh, produced. Um, and then on the 21st of, uh, the, the, uh, there was also um, uh, an industrial funding package of 3 billion, which was established by the IDC. 
which actually had to assist the vulnerable firms uh, and to fast track financing, you know, for companies. And then on the 21st of April, the president also announced the second phase of uh, response to the COVID pandemic. And um, this is where the president actually spoke about uh, the 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 500 uh, 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 billion stimulus uh, uh, package, which amounts to uh, 10% of the South Africa's of, of of our GDP. It's a it's a it's a very big. Um, it's a very big, you know, stimulus package that has actually been uh, uh, been announced uh, by the president. Um, next slide, please. In relation to agriculture, environment, land reform and rural development, there were also uh, specific interventions which were actually made. Um, uh, which basically related to uh, uh, providing support to farmers uh, to ensure that planting, harvesting, and um, uh, other services to agricultural activities, you know, were not disrupted. The land bank was given an additional 100 million uh, to assist farmers under under financial distress. Uh, the Fisheries, Forestry, and, Enviro and Environment uh, Ministry. Um, uh, all fishing sectors here, all fishing sectors were actually granted a, a 90 day uh, exemption from having to reapply for new or existing permits. Um, sports, arts and culture, uh, you would see that uh, there was 150 million rand uh, relief fund to assist artists, athletes and technical personnel uh, to minimize, you know, uh, the impact uh, of, 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 of uh, the lockdown on this uh, you know particular sector so you would see that uh, 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 government's attempt has actually been uh, multi you know sectoral and uh, trying to deal with the impact of the pandemic on the, the different sectors next slide please next slide If I just let you continue while he's still like trying to, to get the next slide, just continue okay. because you are going through the line by line because you are left right. only seven minutes. All right. Okay. Then I'll try and speed up the presentation, uh, Chair. So. Uh, You'd also see that through the Department of Public Works and Infrastructure, the uh, additional properties were actually set aside to be used as isolation and quarantine you know, facilities. Um, all the other different, you know, departments, departments of minerals uh, and uh, energy, you know, transport, uh, all of them have actually um, have actually uh, uh, made sure that uh, they have regulations that are in place to deal with uh, the impact of, uh, you know, COVID-19 on their particular on 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 their particular sectors. Um, I'm just never trying to navigate to the last couple of slides, given the seven minutes that I actually have chairperson. You would see there was also a response. Uh, our response as, as, as government uh, also related to 
security and international relations, as we indicated that um, uh, government continued, you know, to collaborate with uh, the World Health Organization. Uh, uh, travel, international travel has actually been, you know, uh, restricted. Uh, government also uh, um, uh, focused particularly as to how it can improve, you know, its, its performance within, you know, uh, security uh, and fighting crime within uh, within the country. Um, uh, social grant payouts uh, dates in March was actually was also staggered. March and April were actually staggered in order to deal with the issue of social, you know, distancing. I've indicated that uh, 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 people uh, were who were actually homeless were provided with the actual uh, shelter. And uh, you would see that slide number 24 basically talks about uh, uh, just visual uh, depictions of uh, of uh, society, um, you know, during level four and during, um, yeah, during level four. Uh, it's important also to note that uh, uh, the strategy of government has been fairly dynamic. Uh, to the strategy of government to respond to the um, uh, COVID-19 pandemic has been fairly dynamic and uh, was also guided by the risk-adjusted strategy that government adopted, you know, uh, early in May, where there were actually five levels, uh, and uh, all of us know what uh, uh, what those levels actually are, uh, and uh, all of us are now actually aware that we're now on 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 level two. Um, slide 26 just basically indicate the performance of government in relation to number of people screened. Uh, you would see it's 15 million as it's uh, uh, as it stands as at uh, the second end of of June, um, and uh, you would see the 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 test actually conducted as at the end of June was close to one million and. Um, uh, you would see uh, the cumulative number of COVID positive cases, you know, 52991 as at the end of June. This this information is slightly dated. If you look at uh, the information of today, you would see, you know, what the actual, you know, stats, uh, the, 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 the actual statistics are. Uh, the importance of slide number 27 is that it, um, uh, it indicates that even if though we are, uh, ranked uh, uh, at um, at uh, as, as as the fifth country that has got uh, the highest number of uh, you know infections. The most important thing and the message that should not be lost is that our recovery rate is very very good. Uh, when I looked at the stats this morning, our recovery rate is at about uh, slightly more than eighty percent. And uh, in terms of this slide, our our recovery rate is at seventy three point four, which is uh, very very high. Um, and then also, I also need to indicate that uh, our mortality rate also is um, is very, very um, uh, low. Uh, and you would see that in terms of this slide, you know, it stands at about, um, you know, uh, 9,000. And uh, if you look at uh, the, the stats of, as of, you know, this morning, uh, we would be at about, what, uh, 11,900, somewhere around there. So uh, in, in, in terms of recovery and uh, uh, we're doing okay as a country, yeah, and that's, uh, that's putting it diplomatically. And in terms of uh, deaths, um, you know, it, our death rate also is not, you know, that high, but it's uh, regrettable that we've lost so many uh, people already, you know, uh, 
because of this particular pandemic. If you can look at slide number, you know, uh, 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 29, it just talks about when government actually moved from level five to level four, uh, to, it allowed more economic it allowed more economic uh, 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 economic opportunities and for some sectors actually you know to um, to to be opened up. Um, uh, Gender-based violence continues to remain a challenge. Uh, uh, the president has actually highlighted it as a as a second pandemic that we actually need to fight and not just uh, you, you know the COVID nineteen um, uh, 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 pandemic. Uh, this slide also just gives information around uh, the stimulus um, uh, package. How the stimulus package of, of 500, uh, you know, is actually is actually made up of. Um, slide number 29 talks about uh, uh, the grants. It just gives details, you know, to uh, the socio-economic uh, the socio-economic support that has been given in the form of the different. Uh, grants, um, and uh, what is important to note is is not just the top up grants uh, and the increased child support grant. Uh, I think what is important to note is that uh, uh, there's a new temporary grant uh, that uh, 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 government actually introduced uh, to uh, due to uh, COVID, uh, which is called the Social Relief of Distress Grant. Others. Uh, uh, commonly referred to it as the unemployment grant, and uh, because of this grant, which is actually aimed at uh, the unemployed people who do not derive any uh, benefit uh, or support from uh, the existing, uh, you know, grant instruments uh, that government currently uh, has, and that's uh, that's the new one. Uh, we also did a survey to look as to what are, what is the impact of COVID-19 uh, pandemic on municipalities. And uh, it's it's uh, fairly uh, uh, it's very huge if I can indicate that in the sense that 88% uh, of municipalities of the survey that we did 88% of the municipalities basically indicated that they had to redirect their funds you know to deal with the COVID you know pandemic uh, and some and uh, these were funds that were already um, uh, um, uh, pledged for particular projects or uh, the of the infrastructure. Most importantly, uh, as I indicated earlier, is that it, uh, the, the pandemic is impacting negatively on the revenue base of the municipality. And so the whole issue of municipal financial viability is emerging as a major uh, you know, policy concern for the at, at the local government sphere. Slide 31. So, um, given the pandemic, uh, given the response and our response as as government, what are some of the observations and lessons that we can draw from from this? Uh, you know, close to uh, three to four months. You know, experience of this particular pandemic. One is that we've been fairly consistent with the constitution uh, in the sense that uh, we have sought to uphold what the constitution is saying by guaranteeing all inhabitants a certain minimum living standard um, in re to respond you know, to the shocks of the COVID-19 lockdown, particularly on the lives of the poorest of the poor.
Okay. Uh, the fact that there may have been challenges around the distribution of food parcels, that is acknowledged. The fact that we can actually coordinate our activities better uh, between different departments in national government and across the three different spheres of, 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 of government in the country, that is also acknowledged. And the fact that we can actually coordinate our activities better between government and other and non-organ non-profit, you know, organizations, that is also acknowledged. Um, the second point is that uh, uh, effective leadership has been uh, have been provided by uh, the president, who has basically been the face, you know, of uh, fighting this particular pandemic together with his cabinet. Um, uh, there's also uh, national support for government's uh, COVID-19 interventions. Um, uh, there's overwhelming support that uh, when the lockdown actually started. Uh, from civil society, from, um, you know, all sectors, you know, of, 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 of society. Yes, uh, people may be fatigued uh, by uh, the lockdown, the fact that we are now, you know, at, uh, at level two, people may be fatigued. Yes, there may have been one or, or two, one or couple other challenges of wanting to take government to court for uh, whether it's a cigarette ban, you know, or, or whether the regulation, some people felt that the regulations were... Um, uh, were unconstitutional. Uh, those are the exceptions and not the rule, you know. And uh, but uh, there has been overwhelming support, you know, by society uh, with regard to government's um, uh, strategies to fight uh, this particular uh, uh, pen, uh, pen, pen, pandemic. Uh, the health sector also has shown that uh, uh, the infrastructure that we have is actually. Uh, uh, you know, up to scratch. Um, uh, yes, there may have been instances where particular, uh, you know, uh, hospitals or clinics, uh, you know, were experiencing, you know, challenges, but on the whole, you know, the health infrastructure and the institutions that we have within the country, you know, uh, are up to task. The economic uh, uh, systems, um, it's important to indicate that uh, uh, the economy has actually been severely affected. Uh, even if though we actually have this 10% of the GDP. GDP of my, uh, GDP, my apology, it's important to note that we've got no minutes. Thank you. Just think that you try to wrap up. Or, all right. Uh, seven uh, is gone. Thank you. All right. If I can just conclude, Chair, by indicating that there are a couple of lessons that we've learned as, as government, uh, where we basically need to improve coordination planning. Um, uh, we need to improve, uh, uh, have, have better strategies to fight poverty alleviation. Uh, we need to ensure that we continue with deepening our communication. And... Um, uh, this will this we will actually implement as we move forward um, to the second uh, uh, you know report that we would actually be you know bringing forth uh, to Parliament and in the second report we will basically be focusing on the actual impact that the various measures of government has had you know, on society. Thank you very much, Chairperson.
And thank you very much. I suggest that we take the next presenter and then we'll deal with them uh, uh, at once. Thank you. Yes, thanks, uh, Chairperson. We're going to do that. This one is going to be shorter, uh, half of the other one that was just uh, presented. And without much ado, I would ask ADDG Lindsay Martin to start with this presentation, focusing mainly on salient issues. Thank you, Chairperson. Uh, thank you, person, and thank you, DG. Um, can they just load the presentation? So I think, I mean, as both the DG and the Deputy Minister mentioned, the work on the updating of the MTSF uh, is work in progress, and it's essentially learning on lessons learned Are you Different still there? Work. Uh, uh, still, yes, can you hear me? Can you, can anybody hear me? I can hear you, thank you. Yes, we can, thank you. You have disappeared again. Chairperson, let me take over and do the, the presentation so that we can have a traction and we'll then sort out the DDG's communications challenges. Now, as you can see, on, yes, as you can see on the projected slides, as you can see on the projected slides there, there are seven priorities that are derived from the electoral mandate as well as the SONA. We will not belabor this, save to say that priority number one deals with a capable ethical and developmental state, which is one area that we continue to monitor. Then priority two is on economic transformation and job creation, followed by education, skills, and health. Priority number four, consolidating so the social wage through reliable and quality basic services. Five, special integration, human settlements, and local government. <clears throat> Six, social cohesion, and safe communities. And the last one deals with uh, a better Africa in the world. Then we have cross-cutting domains, as you can see there. Now, it, talking about the environment uh, and how we re respond to it, one, South Africa is experiencing COVID-19 pandemic, which has exacerbated weak economic growth and further strained the national uh, budget. As honorable members, you would remember that we had, had to reprioritize across uh, government departments. Two, government has responded by declaring national disaster, a, a national lockdown supported by risk-based strategy and a 500 billion relief package. We have spoken to this in the last uh, presentation, so I will not belabor it. More needs to be done to stabilize the environment and to plan for recovery. I need to indicate that this work has started and is led by the economic um, cluster of DGs and will soon be going to the ministers. Lastly, improved coordination and, and, and integrated uh, planning. Uh, let, okay, continue, move to the next slide. Now, Chair, 
just on this one as the main issue that we need to speak to, and this goes to what the DM dealt with earlier. Even when we finalized the current MTSF, we were clear that there were certain things that were still being done in government which would be factored at a later stage. And that relates to digitization and the fourth industrial revolution. So in the current MTSF, we did not say much in the uptake and usage of technology in government, in the economy and society as a whole. So this was always a pending. But as you see on your left there, there is also the review of the NDP, which is nearing a completion. The Fire Commission report, as DM indicated, is also completed and the president has received the document. So we are engaging with the relevant department to see how we can integrate that into the MTSF. The district development model was also not in place at the time, so it needs to be integrated. The skills priority master plan also needs to be included. The national COVID-19 response plan, as we were presenting earlier on, will, will also be included. And going with that is the economic recovery. The revised fiscal framework also will have to be incorporated into the review. So the, the, other, the, the, the diagram on the right, I think we have presented it previously in terms of the hierarchy of, of planning, starting with the NDP in our view, the NDP is still alive and, and kicking, and then will only factor the review of the NDP. Now, flowing from the NDP, we go to the MTSF and then uh, to the sector and cluster A plans. So it's the NDP, MTSF, and the cluster and sector A plans. Let's move to the next one. The next slide. Now, I wanted to come to this uh, the, the, the process. Now, the process has three phases. Phase one is the preparation or preparatory phase from July to the end of August, this month we are in now, and that entails developing a roadmap and project plan, which has already been done, consultation and alignment of the re NDB review, four-year report, priority skills master plan, district development model, and then followed by consultation and awareness with clusters and FOSAT. I need to indicate that that process has started. We've already presented to the FOSAT Manco and various clusters. Finalized the MTSF monitoring report. Now, earlier on, the DM indicated that the report that we're presenting is not the MTSF report. Now, the MTSF report entails what has been done up to now since the start of the implementation of the MT MTSF and particularly in the current financial year. So once that report is finalized, it will form part of the input. So in short, we, the MTSF report will form part of the input into the review and also the COVID reports will form part of the MTSF re review. Then we move to the next phase, which is updating the actual content of the MTSF. Please go back slightly. So that slide, the previous slide, yes. So this one is now when you start to work on, on, the, on, on the content. And after doing that, we will then finalize by going back to cabinet with a draft revised M MTSF. And as indicated earlier, this is a document that will then come back to yourselves where we see after consulting with everyone in government and taking into account and into consideration all the inputs, this is the final e e document that now will be translated into annual performance plans of departments. As you can see, that will be done 
from December 2022, Jan 2021, followed by the updating of the APPs of the different government departments. Next one. The next slide. Now, there is a problem. The problem in planning in government is constrained by the way government is structured. What this means, honorable members, is that if you have if you have 40 departments, you cannot have a situation whereby there is a department that will not receive any financial allocation because it is not a priority. So the structure of government as it is conditions you on how you plan and allocate resources. This is a matter that we brought to the attention of the principals in the form of our minister and the DM to really find a way of allowing us to plan in such a way that we are not constrained by the way government is structured. So if we take a decision that we are going to focus on broadband, it should be possible to do so without people in rail feeling offended by, by, by that. Now, it's not an easy thing because on daily basis, all of us in government are expected to do work. So it is a big challenge that we are discussing with the political principles. Let's move to the next slide. Now, the, the other issue related to what I just said now is the criteria that we're going to, to use. And we are doing with a number of options as to there are always so many things that can that needs to be done, but, but can ever be done. Now, the question is, as we come to parliament most of the time, we are, asked, we are told across the spectrum of government that we have so many targets and we need to minimize the number of targets that we are going to follow as, as government so that we can also allocate resources efficiently. Now, we are grappling with uh, such uh, issues, uh, honorable members. We are looking at the policy uh, part of it, the social implications, economic, environmental, regional integration, technical issues, the capacity of the state. Now, uh, out of these issues, the key question is, what is that we can do and what that we can defer at a later point? How do we arrive at saying that this year rail is a priority and then next year broadband is a priority using uh, some form of a criteria that assists to us to do so? Let's move to the next one. Well, this is the same. It's still around the, 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 the methodology that we, we can use to arrive at a priorities and when we res respond to questions we are going to deal with uh, some of these uh, issues let's move to the next one now as you can see once catalytic interventions are identified through the priority setting processes this should be aligned to the result based framework of the mtsf to ensure that they are measurable now, honorable members, it's easy for all of us to say we want to build a new rail infrastructure in South Africa. That would be a statement of intent or a statement of vision, but that needs to be accompanied by certain measurable indicators so that we can then come back and report on, on, on specific issues. Now, the key issues to pursue when it comes to measuring the implication, the implementation of government programs, that will include impact, outcomes, outputs, activities, indicators, and targets. Now, in short, most of the time, we conflate these issues and treat them as one and the same thing. That's why when we come back to parliament, we give you outputs as if they are outcomes. 
Now we want to make that very clear in the in the process of revising the MTSF that these are separate indicators and each and every level should be accounted for. For example, the impact, when you assess impact, you go back to the NDP and say, this is what we said would be the outcome. For example, if we say that we want uh, most South Africans to live in the cities, I'm just giving it as an example. It means that when you assess impact, you must then assess it against that and say, okay, do we have more South Africans living in the, in the cities? So we will do the same with each and every indicator so that they are not conflict, conflicted in, in government, but they are understood to be separate and, and, and each one of them must be reported on, including when, when we come to, to parliament, not only to this portfolio committee, but also to the other portfolio committees. Next. Yes, Chairperson, on that note, this concludes our uh, presentation. This was just an update to honorable members to indicate that we are aware of the impact of COVID on, on the economy and social life, and also the other outstanding issues that have been uh, mentioned, uh, starting from the DM's opening remarks. Now, after we've done everything, and now we have the MT, draft MTSF approved by the principals, we will be able to interact with yourselves and indicate what would be the new areas of focus across the whole of government. Thank you. Uh, thank you very much, DG. And I'm sure as we engage also, if there are any other important points in the first presentation that you might have missed because of the time, I'll suggest that you may also include them as we engage. Honorable members, we have received all the presentations that gives us um, more than enough time to engage. Uh, I will request that uh, if possible, without limiting our questions, but also prioritize your questions on the presentation, then the rest will follow. But I, I know Honorable Clark will be very excited because she has been looking forward to, to get this report. Having said that, uh, Honorable Members, uh, I will go per list in terms of what I can, not necessarily because of the show of hair, but because of the attendance register that is reflecting on the screen here, and that I've got um, Honorable Kibi, Honorable Dooley, Honorable Dr. Schreiber, Honorable Watsipe, Honorable Sibisi, Honorable Maluleka, eh, Honorable Malati, Honorable Kla. I understand Honorable Malumane, she's not well, she might not, but she can be the last to choose to do so. Honorable Kibi. Eh, thank you, thank you, Honorable Chair. Uh, let me once more greet uh, the honorable members, the DM, the colleagues. Uh, allow me, Chair, to welcome the presentations, both of them. But, uh, Comrade Chair, indeed, COVID 19 has had devastating effects on socioeconomic activities in the country. Its effects are not only significant to South Africans but globally as well. And there was no manual to deal with the ordeal, but as a country- My apologies, Honorable Kibi, okay. if you may show your video, if possible, unless it's going Come to again. disturb you. I'm suggesting that if it's not going to disturb your audibility, you can put your camera on. Your video okay, on. okay. 
Oh, thank you, thank you, Honorable Chair. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Chair. I'm saying, Chair, indeed COVID-19 has had devastating effects on socioeconomic uh, activities in the country. Its effects are not only significant to South Africans, but globally as well. And there was no manual to deal with the, the ordeal, but as a country, we are still managing the virus. As a result of uh, the pandemic, a number of people were laid off their source of income and employment, and many dependent in the government grants that government had distributed and is still distributing as the Department of Planning, Monitoring and Evaluation was the department monitoring the distribution these grants and is the department keeping a tally or seeing that majority of people that applied for the grants received them, including the social, uh, social distress relief in the uh, form of uh, food parcels and 350 for those who don't have any, uh, who don't have any source of income or government grants beneficiaries. The department would know that there has been outcry of alleged corruption or misuse of those, as uh, my colleague have already indicated that there, there is also those uh, people that were really complaining about the misuse and any other thing. Honorable Chair, as I'm still going through my notes is here. Uh, Honorable Chair, my next one will be uh, in terms of slide five, the department has indicated that a decision was taken to put the country on the lockdown was uh, attributed to the arrest of the uh, pandemic flatten the curve and, no, uh, and to improve the capacity of the health system. What kind of capacity in the health sector did government uh, anticipate to improve since our healthcare facilities are not in good conditions? Secondly, is government willing to prioritize maintenance and building a new infrastructure for healthcare facilities to avoid situation where the country can be found wanting in case of uh, current and future health disasters. Uh, Honorable Chair, allow me to again uh, get to my other uh, notes. Uh, Honorable Chair, on the other uh, presentation, I just want to know: uh, Are there plans to, uh, to are there plans in government to deal with the food security and poverty alleviation? I also want to know how far is government with the post-COVID recovery plan, and how is this going to be included in the MTSF? I also want to know 
when is the department going to finalize the quarter one report on the MTSF and how is this going to inform the review of the MTSF? I also want to know, how is the department improving its monitoring cap uh, capabilities through the use of technologies? My last one is, how is DPME managing to ensure that there is synergy with the district development model? I hope my questions are kept uh, uh, captured well. Thank you, Chair. <laughs> Thank you, Honorable Member. Uh, it's quite a mouthful of questions, and I'm sure the department also, those ones they can't respond direct in terms of the specifics, they will follow up in writing in terms of the responses. Honorable Dooley, over okay. to you, ma'am. Thank you, Honorable Jefferson. Honorable Jefferson, Honorable. Uh, read my mind a lot okay. uh, in terms of the questions that I wanted to sort of uh, ask and, and, and some clarities that I, I wanted to, to, to check. Um, but safe to say, I wanted also to check that given uh, that the COVID-19 uh, swayed all the, the plans, particularly it wouldn't be, the, the third plan wouldn't be followed as planned. Um, now we are having just a new normal. Did the department try maybe to seek for any empowerment, uh, sort of training of some sort uh, to through this pool of 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 uh, um, uh, pandemic again. I wanted to check something to say, um, indeed, um, the, the social relief has been mentioned uh, for many sectors. But uh, what assurance uh, can government give us to say, of course, it landed uh, safely to the relevant stakeholders. Um, for instance, um, in the present in the presentation, uh, many sectors were, were 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 mentioned, including sports. To say uh, such sports code did get. Relief that was meant uh, for for uh, the, 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 the participant. Um, one other thing, Chair, 
that I wanted to, to check is that uh, the, um, recently in the media, there's been a lot of uh, maladministration with regards to the procurement, uh, personal protective equipment, uh, meaning to be may the department elaborate on the role that it plays to evaluate this process to ensure irregular expenditure did not take and would not continue being experienced. But um, take into cognizance that uh, we are in the Women's Month, August. I wanted also to check, to, to say, um, can the department uh, provide some facts that uh, also women were able to benefit in the procurement of the P PPEs for the COVID-19? Because in most cases, you'll find that um, we'll talk uh, your quarter, what, what, what uh, for women. But when you go deep down on the ground, you'll find that uh, it's just theoretical. It's not practical. Is there any assurance to say we've, we, there are women um organization that benefited as such. Thank you, Chair. Honorable member, Dr. Schreiber, over to you, sir. Uh, thank you, Chair. Can you hear me? I'm just checking. Yes, you are. Oh, okay. yeah. Thank you. Also got my video on. Thank you and uh, good morning, colleagues, and thank you for the presentation. Uh, Chair, I think if we reflect honestly on what these last couple of months have done, then I think that a lot of the rosy picture that we've seen here today is not borne out and certainly not being experienced um, in a positive way by South Africans. Um, I was a little bit disturbed to see that some of the figures and data being used um, to promote South Africa's response or to uh, or to, to suggest that it was better than many other countries. Uh, some of those slides are from the 5th of May. And of course, we are now in the middle of August already. So I think that if we fast forward a couple of months uh, beyond those initial periods, it's quite clear that the, the COVID uh, situation in South Africa has worsened to the point where we now have the fifth most case, cases in the world. And we've also had uh, an extreme and inordinate amount of economic and social damage, which I think will go far beyond the 7% that was referenced in the presentation. My question uh, to the department is, if we are being presented with information from the 5th of May, how can we be confident that the situation is being monitored as we speak, meaning beyond these initial reports, and what the department plans to do to track the impact, uh, especially if things turn out to be far more negative, more devastating on the economic side uh, compared to what they have initially presented to us here. So what is the plan going forward 
for measuring and mitigating uh, an impact which I think is going to be far worse than what the department has shared with us today. Thank you, Chair. Thank you so much, Honorable Schreiber. That should lead us to Honorable Motsipe. Over to you, ma'am. Thank you very much, Honorable Chairperson, Honorable Lisoma, and Honorable Members. I would start with the first presentation. The World Health Organization has complemented South African government in dealing with the coronavirus pandemic as compared to other European countries. First question, did the lockdown in terms of various alert levels implemented assisted the country in flattening the curve and improving health service? Number two, was there any research done by an independent survey to analyze the impact in both prongs approach, which is to determine the impact of coronavirus if the government had not decided to implement the lockdown and the impact of the lockdown in terms of socio-economic development in the country. And then I would also like to emphasize this issue that are you assuring the nations that to go down to level two, it will flatten the curve of this virus, which, which is COVID-19 pandemic. Are you also sure that will be cooperation from the society by easing this lockdown of opening, especially selling of alcohol and cigarettes? It will be not go high to the peak again and to make hospitals full and the mortality rate will be not rising again. And then, and then I would also have the question of how far are you with the corruption issue done during this COVID-19 pandemic? And then on the second uh, presentation, I've got only one, one question, which is during coronavirus lockdown, a well-coordinated and integrated government planning has been witnessed. Will the department build and strengthen on the cooperation of the three spheres of government in order to implement government program of action? Thank you very much, Chairperson. Thanks. Thank you, Honorable Motsipe. Uh, Honorable Maluleka, over to you, ma'am. Thank you, Chairperson, and my apologies for joining late. And I'm not going to be able to show my my camera because of the network problem. Chairperson, let me just join other honorable members in appreciating the presentation that was given by the presenters. But I on slide 14, it highlights that there was a decline in alcohol related crime. Oh, 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 yes, ma Sorry, my apology, Honorable Malulek. My apology. There's a nurse, there's somebody who's doing something next to you. If he or she can just move a little bit away from you. Thank you. Oh, okay. Okay. But my camera is not on, Honorable. Chairperson, 
Can you hear me? Oh, no. Yes, you are, ma'am. Thank you. Oh, okay. Yes, I was saying, uh, according to their presentation, slide 14 highlights that there was a decline in alcohol-related crime and hospital services. Having learned the lessons on the increase of fatalities after unbanning of alcohol and in lockdown alert level three, what can the government do or what strategies can they have to minimize alcohol-related crimes in the future? And also when there was this pre uh, presentation, uh, there was a highlight about the relief during this COVID-19. You see the president, when he talks, he introduced the social relief fund, communities, especially the poor of the poorest were happy, but things didn't go right. Food passes, grants for unemployment were not distributed as expected. What is it that the department is going to do to ensure that what government is planned for its citizen is implemented. And lastly, Chairperson, uh, let me go back to my other notes. Just bear with me, Chairperson, just for a moment. I just want to get, okay, I have got my notes correctly now. I just want to find out from the department, why are there plans in government to deal with food security and poverty alleviation? And how far is government with the post-COVID recovery plan? And how is this going to be included in their MTSF? I think some of these questions, uh, Anna, other honorable members have uh, raised them. But, Lastly, I would like to find out from the department, how is it going to manage, manage the, and ensure that there is synergy with the district development model? Thank you, Chair. Thank you very much, Honorable Member. That will bring us to Honorable Civis. Morning, Chairperson, and greetings to all members and DM and also the members of the portfolio. One would like to thank the departments for the presentation. Uh, but after the presentation, one will have a concern that after all that has been said, and we see that this lockdown has been the pandemic, now one will check that if we are losing almost 1.8 to 3 million of jobs and also our economy is looks like to go down so what plan does the department have the recovery plan that will give the that will give hope to all the south africans that indeed our government is doing something because we cannot blame the government for what has happened about the lockdown but now as a government, we need to rise above the situation or the occasion and bring hopes to all those South Africans, even those who have not got the food parcel, even those who did not have the, who did not get the relief fund. So what is the recovery plan that the department will put in place in order, in order to bring back South Africa in its uh, 
uh, former state. Thank you. So, Honourable Member, thank you so much, uh, Honourable uh, CBC. That will bring us to Honourable Malati. I did indicate that I've just uh, noted all the, 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 the names of Honourable Members. You may indicate if you deem not to ask any question. Honourable Malati, over to you, sir. Thanks, thanks Chairperson, and uh, thanks to the teams for the separate for the different presentations. Um, the initial point that I wanted to pick has been raised adequately so by, by my colleague, um, Honorable Schreiber. But there is an aspect of it, Chair, which I think is important. If you look at, at the documents, um, as it relied heavily of information at the end of April, there have been significant developments in the last two months about how the country has handled its response to the pandemic and many of the other measures that have been taken um, since that time. And as this is the department that, it, that is tasked with doing the monitoring, the planning in government, one would expect that even the information that gets presented before us would reflect at least the closest possible um, situation into the current reality as is, so that when we engage these things, we can engage them accurately based on developments as they are now. Because even if you look at the number of cases then, it was in the initial phase of um, the pandemic um, outbreak in the country. Therefore, if we focus so wholly on it then, we are looking at a very skewed picture. And that can lead us to misleading conclusions about doing a thorough review of how has government's performance been throughout. So I guess my question is related to that is, what is the late, you know, post the finalization of this document, which are presented to, to, to us now, what is the state of the government's response according to this department in terms of the two-month period that has occurred in June and July um, and the developments there? Because if you go further into this debate, there are things that hint on what is likely to happen. I mean, there is an except from the presentation that talks about the devastation that the lockdown has had on economic activities and the anticipated number of job losses that are anticipated in our economy. And as we all know by now, those figures have shifted significantly um, over the course of the last eight weeks. And secondly is the issue of corruption. I mean, I, I want to get a sense from, from the department that, you know, what in forms the, the, the government's, um, and in this case, the president's decision to establish an interministerial committee that looks at all questionable ethical issues when there are law enforcement agencies in the country that are tasked in particular with the fight against corruption and that have been established for that purpose. Is that a sign of no confidence in the institutions that have been established um, to fight corruption when an interministerial committee gets established, which one can argue duplicates or attempts to duplicate the work that should be done by law enforcement agencies that have been set up in, in our constitution in our country. And lastly, Chair, to, to get to the government messaging and the platforms that it has been used, and I think, you know, one, one would be realistic enough to recognize that there's been a heavy presence of government message in 
communities to alert the public about you know all the the, the COVID-19 regulations that need to be adhered to, and more importantly, um, what we as citizens need to do. So in line of that, I just want to establish you know the cost factors associated with government spending on amplifying its messages, be it on social media, print media, and radio, and most importantly, on community media, which is one area of the media landscape that is really struggling and has been identified by this um, administration as an area of penetration for its message to, to, to the South African public. If we can get, you know, the breakdown of costs associated with taking government message to the public um, through the different forms of media so that we can also measure uh, whether there's been value received for money in terms of the extensive government messaging in those platforms. Thanks very much, Chair. Thank you very much, Honorable Malati. Uh, Honorable Clark, and after our request that uh, Masi uh, read out uh, questions from Honorable Maluman as well. Thank you. Over to you, ma'am. Thank you, Chairperson. I'm not going to switch my camera on because we have load shedding here and I'm sure then I'm not going to be able to have adequate signal. Um, yes, uh, I have been covered um, by many of the speakers and particularly um, Honourable Malazzi. Um, I must say I'm very disappointed in this, um, this report because it really doesn't tell us what the true situation is at the moment. Um, I would also just like to say that um, we would, I would really like to see in the report the impact um, COVID-19 has had in terms of lives versus livelihood. Because, I mean, we look, if you look at the real picture at the moment, we're looking at an additional 3 million jobs to be lost um, in this country. I'd also like to see a proper report in terms of um, tenders issued, the fraud and corruption around those tenders and and what government is going to do in order to deal with that. And as Honourable Malazzi said, I mean, have we lost confidence in the law enforcement agencies in this country that an inter-ministerial uh, committee has now been established to investigate this? I mean, you just look at um, in Gauteng at the NASRAC field hospital where um, 13 million rand was spent on 13,000 beds. I mean, you know, those are the kind of things we want to see why um, the, these astronomical price surges on this kind of equipment was imposed. I'd also like to see um, what outcome the ban, the banning of alcohol and uh, tobacco has had in terms of economy, um, because we, we see that within the... Um, the alcohol industry, and, and that's not just alcohol consumption. I mean, you're talking about bottling companies, et cetera. There's 100,000 jobs being lost there. SAB has withdrawn their 2 billion rand investment to government. Um, and, you know, we talk about citizens' buy-in. If you look at the hospitality industry and the tourism industry, who I know many people in those industries are saying, you know, the curfew that's now still being imposed on them means that they need to close their kitchens by eight o'clock because by nine o'clock, their staff will have to leave to be home by 10 o'clock. So, I mean, that kind of curfew that's been put in place for those sectors 
uh, makes it very difficult for those sectors to recoup back into the economy. Um, I also would like to mention that many small businesses that applied for relief did not get relief when I speak to a lot of people because they weren't compliant. I really feel that government should look at doing a tax amnesty on small business and assisting small business to actually comply because it would be a win-win situation for everybody. They would be contributing correctly to the tax fiscus and, um, uh, you know, and it's important that they comply. So I really think bus uh, a government need to look at that aspect and to assist small businesses in order to do that. I'd also like to see a report in terms of the social relief grant because many people have not received that relief grant at all as yet. A report on the UIF and the fraud that's happened with that, because I know many companies have applied for UIF who have not received that relief as yet. And then when you look at sectors like manufacturing and construction, I mean, you know, they were allowed to go back into level three, but because the economy is so bad, those sectors have just got no business at this stage. So, you know, I don't think this report we've received tells a true picture. And I'm looking forward to seeing a report that actually gives us the correct information and correct specifics and correct reporting. Thank you. Honourable Member. Uh, Masi, can you read Honourable Malumane's questions, please, uh, for me? <laughs> yes. Uh, thank, th thanks, Chair. The question by Honourable Malumane reads as follows. COVID-19 has exposed a lot uh, where certain services were not reach, reaching the people that needs, needs it most, particularly healthcare services. Going forth, will the department conduct a follow-up on these shortfalls and pay greater attention to healthcare services, particularly those in remote areas? Uh, it continues, seemingly now that we are on, uh, on alert level two, presuming that a lot of public servants will be returning to work and in which a lot of sector will be returning to normality. Will DPME be monitoring this process, particularly with regards to measure, measures and, and PPEs to avoid the spread? Thank you, Chair. Thank you very much, Masi. Uh, from my side, uh, I will tell you, DMG, uh, that the next feeling on the first report in terms of the COVID, uh, which you can say stroke first quarter, it's because it's not updated. And unfortunately, you, 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 are, you are three steps behind the public information that we have received. Uh, then, hence, I understand the members when we are saying that uh, it should be an updated one. But uh, probably at the end, we, we, we may make suggestions as how do we navigate and move forward from that one to get an updated uh, status. It's notwithstanding that the the, the second quarter should uh, also incorporate that. Uh, from my side, then, uh, uh, I would like also to register honorable members and colleagues that by no means that we are underestimating the negative and positive impact of COVID-19 that has disrupted the, the normal and to force us to go to the so-called new normal. But also, we, we would like the department to appreciate that it is the pillar and also the, the, the very important 
important coordinating link of all government departments. Uh, I, I, I think I did say in, in some of the meetings that if both of us with the portfolio committee and DPME, they should be within two years' time. Very few uh, departments that appear before SCOPA. I, I'm saying that all of us we must start appreciating our importance of this department. Hence, even the, the questions, they cut across all the things. So this department must know everything, must coordinate everything, must monitor everything, must also assess everything in terms of its impact in the finality as it were, which I'm happy that the DGs spoke about the performance indicators, the impact, the outcome, the interventions which are outputs, and activities and indicators and targets. But also you can't, from our side as the portfolio committee, uh, DG and DM, uh, measure something that is not measurable, which is open-ended. Hence then, your role comes in there to enforce the department when they do their plans, also they, they, they set up the targets that are made so that they can be able to account on. Uh, my question then from my side, having covered by most of the, uh, almost every, uh, every speaker, honorable members, is that during last two weeks when I was doing my oversight, I went to schools and also to hospitals, in particular in schools. One of the schools that I visited, I observed that in terms of what infrastructure was there, but we had more above that supply them with Jojo tents and all that. That example I'm giving you to say that one would also appreciate if the department can look at, we don't just throw money to a challenge, but we throw money where it's needed most. Because if it's a well infrastructured school, why do you need Jojo tent in, in, in an urban area? Instead of fixing or maintaining if there are leakages in terms of uh, parts and so forth. So I, I think the one jacket fits all uh, approach, in particular in, in providing intervention for COVID-19 must also be informed by the actual situation on the ground. But also the other one I think is honorable uh, Malulega, but I would say we would love also, based on other colleagues' questions, that you should provide us a, a status having observed and identify the areas of focus that we may focus on as the country, as it were. And I'm sure you are doing that. But uh, I, I think, in terms of the, the presentation, also, it didn't come very This is how you, you, you would have observed uh, the trends, as it were. Hence, Honorable Malazi, uh, the egg question says that the, 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 the presentation. We need an update, but at the end, as I'm saying, that we will decide as now how do we then ask the department to present the, the latest uh, uh, information, as it were. Uh, DM, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a, a, a bite first, then the, the teacher will. And um, those ones without details, don't give us a thumbs up to response, but you can give us those ones that you can give us the response now. Thank you very much. Thank you, Chair, and thank you to members of the Portfolio Committee. I think the team is well capacitated to answer all the questions. I'm going to respond to the one of corruption. First things to clarify is that in relation to the Interministerial Committee, which was constituted by Cabinet and announced by the President, 
its sole purpose is not to prosecute or to conduct investigation. You would remember that throughout the pandemic, President has continued to say that he would keep South Africans abreast every six weeks, he would engage with us. Now, uh, the committee led by Minister Lamula, its only role is to take all the companies which procured uh, PPEs and then to publicize them to, to South Africans in the spirit of uh, accountability. Nothing else. They do not have, it does not have the powers to to charge, investigate or any other thing. It's collection of, of companies from various departments and sharing them with South Africans and nothing else. We, we remain confident in state institutions of the justice cluster in relation to them um, dealing with corruption and not only corruption of, of PPEs or COVID related, any other corruption. As you have, if, if, if you have noticed, for example, the SIU is busy. Ever since on the 12th of July, the president took South Africans into confidence that, that the SIU would, would be swiftly dealing with the issues of, of, of corruption. I'm sure you have seen that um, accounts of others who are supposed to come and account to them has, have been frozen by the SIU. They are busy conducting questions, uh, for example, in Gauteng, they have already started and other in other provinces we have also seen um the police arresting others in the eastern Cape, for example so there is work that is being done and and we remain confident in our state institution that they, they have got the capacity to deal with the matters and take south africans into into confidence i also want to to commit that as as a department when we come back to give you a COVID. Uh, annual report, if I can put it that for a lack of wedding, it will also speak to what is it that a government has been doing in relation to to corruption of, 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 of PPEs and any other corruption during the pandemic. So that report, we, we will bring it to this committee so that we can, we can show you that government remains committed to dealing with issues of corruption. Uh, Yes, no, that's all. I'm going to ask the DG and the team to deal with, with, with the other issues. I just thought I needed to clarify this one. Thank you, Chair. Okay, uh, thanks, ADM. Uh, thanks, Chairperson and Honorable Members. There are quite a number of uh, questions. What I will do, I will answer some of the questions and indicate where we will still uh, come back to the, to the committee and, and provide certain uh, information in writing doing this because we have quite a lot of information at our disposal and then we'll have to figure out how we share the information. Chair, we take, we take note of the suggestion by members, I'll call it a suggestion than a question, that when we come to present on the quarterly reports, at least we include a summation of the contemporary issues of that period. So that is going to, to be done and in the main, this will entail asking the relevant uh, departments because there are so many things that are going on in government. And as we speak now, there are there may be other presentations that are taking place on some of the issues that are being raised here. So we commit that as we present the quarterly report, will also reflect on the contemporary issues of that uh, uh, period. At the same time, we will focus quite a lot on the parliamentary questions, particularly on these uh, issues. So that as the parliamentary questions come, 
then we use that as an opportunity to also send information back to, to yourselves as and when you require clarification on, on, on various issues. So that is going to, to, to be done. We let then, me then go to Honorable Malumani um, on the issue of the public servants going back to work. Now, when the Minister of Cocta issued the regulations for level two, she was also very specific in, in terms of the requirements for that period, level two. So we envisage that everyone, including government, will comply with the requirements of level two. Now, as far as we are concerned in government, the DPSA is largely responsible for this function and works with all other government departments to ensure that based on the regulations that have been issued for level two, we also have our own supplementary requirements that apply across departments. So that is going to happen at the right time as we move to opening a government. The DPSA, which also re report to this uh, committee, will update yourselves on what is being done. Now, I've dealt with uh, some of the issues raised by Honorable Clark that we will incorporate some of the contemporary issues when we, we report. Now, on the issue of food security, out of the reports that we have, we have recognized the fact that there is a lot that is being done currently in government and a lot will still need to be done. So what we're doing, we are convening departments that have a role to play in this area of food security. And that will include uh, DCOC, Agriculture, National Treasury, so Small Business, and Social Development. Now, the approach is that as the PME, we can play a role in ensuring that there is a cross-cluster engagement when it comes to this important issue as opposed to a situation whereby the social cluster will have its own plan and on the other hand, the economic cluster will have its own plan. And as we move forward, we will inform honorable members on the progress with regard to, to food security. Then with the tenders that have been issued, I think it's foregone that across provinces and at national government, we are publicizing the tenders that have been issued and some provinces and national departments have already done that. So that will become a new normal where government will have to always inform citizens of the tenders that have been issued. So that is currently being done. The DMS dealt with the issue of the interministerial committee that it was not intended to carry out policing functions but it was for the purposes of making sure that where we preside as national government, we comply and lead by example in, in publicizing the tenders that have been issued. I will not respond to the issue of NASREC and the beds. Uh, we can uh, ask the relevant department to give us uh, further details. We didn't monitor that. Then on the tobacco and alcohol ban, what we can say at this stage is that this is a question of a cost-benefit analysis. Now, when you do a cost-benefit analysis, it does not mean that they will, when you make choices, there would be no, there, there would be no uh, challenges. So you just have to weigh up things at any given point. And I, I understand that what has happened, government has 
to weigh their health concern and the economic concern at the same time. Now, doing so is not an easy task. Whichever a choice you make, there will always be people who will not be satisfied by that, by, by that choice. So it's a function of a cost-benefit analysis which can be debated at, at length. But in the statements issued by the Minister of Cogta, she had attempted to also clarify what this issue was all about. We did not do a cost-benefit analysis ourselves on this specific issue, but we followed what was being discussed in government that this was an, an attempt to create some equilibrium between uh, health consideration versus economic considerations. Now, also on the issue of the KF, I, if I were to respond to this, it would be a personal view. But I think, again, it has been explained in the same light, you know, and I think in the other committees that oversee COP that this issue will come up. Now, on the social relief grants, which is what we have monitored, up to the end of this reporting period, we had focused more on what was being done. So what we've told members, and we believe that it's very important to, for members to also get information on where everything started. It could be that the latest issues are more appealing, but the reporting on the previous issues also helped us to create a, a, a baseline. Now, the issue here is that when we, what we're reporting now is what was done, the packages that were distributed to different communities. When we come back in the next reporting period, we are going to then see honorable members having given you what was done. This is what actually happened. This was the impact on the uh, social relief grants, on the food parcels. So the, the, our teams are hard at work as we speak now, trying now to drill into these issues. Did people really receive the food parcels? Are the food parcels of the right equality? And what is going to happen going forward? So we will report on this. And because this is a very serious issue, Chairperson, we will then go back to the to the minister and the deputy minister and ask them for a, some kind of arrangement for us to brief parliament much earlier than the end, end of the quarter, if, if at all possible. So the issue of food security and, and social relief can be prioritized such that we find a way and we can be guided by you, Chairperson, at the end on how you want us to come back to, 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 to report. Then on the questions raised by Honorable Malulega on the, the, the level two requirements with regard to alcohol, I guess this was not an easy decision to take. And I speak as a person who was part of some of the, the, the meetings. It was also, again, about try, trying to strike a balance between the economic and the health requirements. Now, this, quite frankly, does not always come easy. Is a complicated matter, but our understanding is that we will be working with the Department of Health and others. There is a mechanism that has been introduced. It's a digital mechanism which, although it's not spearheaded by us, but by States SA and the Department of, of, of Innovation, Science and Innovation, maybe at some point can be shared with the principals so that principals can have an appreciation that we are beginning to also use technology to validate some of the things that we are talking about. So there is a massive data analytic tool that has been developed in government and it will be used widely to help us to track and ensure that we 
we will get a, the necessary evidence. So this is a very difficult answer, but we will continue to update you insofar as we enter this space of assessing impacts, because we're moving now from one. In Q1, we're focusing on the output. Then in the Q2, that is when we're going to see us getting deeper into impact assessment. Then on the economic recovery question raised by Honorable CBC, there are quite a number of things that are being done in government. The, the one issue honorable members might have seen, the DBSA, the presidency, and national treasury signing an agreement with various funding institutions to support key infrastructure work in government and in society as a whole. So there is a lot of work that is being done currently focusing on infrastructure, which is led by Dr. Sputla Ramahupa in the presidency. Then also there are engagements with a business on areas of, of, of commonality where we need to complement each other and these are also being presented in other a, a committees. On our side as a department, we, have, we are concerned about the fact that um, there are different clusters and there is currently no mechanism of ensuring that the different clusters that are dealing with the recovery speak to each other. So as indicated earlier on, what we're doing on our side, we are convening departments across the clusters that are dealing with this kind of issue so that when we, we go to the principals, we must present not just a cluster specific uh, requirements, but must be a government-wide kind of requirements. And we report on, on the work that we are doing in this area. Well, I've dealt with the issues uh, pertaining to the to, to the report with that chairperson at the end of this uh, discussion, we will ask you to guide you in terms of how you want the reports to be submitted to yourselves and then we'll uh, duly uh, comply. I think this question was raised by quite a number of uh, members. Then on the issue of why are we saying that we are better than other countries? I think this is a relative kind of a, a statement in saying that as much as we are smaller, a smaller country, a smaller economy, comparatively, even if subjectively so, we can say that we have done much relative to our own size. So we compare ourselves with others mindful of the fact that we're a smaller economy, a developing country. But by and large, what we've observed is that if it was as it is and nothing was done in government and we continue with a business as, as usual, the projections that are presented by scientists suggest that we would be in a worse position than we are now currently if the argument is that we are not in a good situation. So this is obviously a very contentious issue, but from a government point of view, the calculation was again about a cost-benefit analysis that had to be done guided by the scientists and government came to what may not be classified as a fully op optimal outcome, but at the very least, we have managed to, to, to stem uh, the tide. Then on the monitoring, how, if we are working on quarterly reports, how do we deal with issues as they arise? We need to inform honorable members that on a regular basis, we submit reports to the presidency. We go to the clusters with some of the issues as they emerge. So what we will then do, this will fall again in what you will guide us on, on how do we, give, how we share information as and when things happen. 
mindful of the fact that we have fewer people who are on the field doing this uh, research to, to, to get information. There was a question as to whether our information, the, whether there, there is independent uh, research that has been done. Yes, there is a lot of independent work that is be, being done. And in the main, that is geared towards the, the final report that will bring now to yourselves and say, this is the annual report of performance of government with regard to the management of COVID. And in that final report, which we call the country report, we are also going to include some of the work that papers that have been done by independent sources. I've dealt with the issue of alcohol, and then I've dealt also with coordinated government planning that we are entering the fray and assisting the different clusters to work together because this is one of the missing links. Then quickly to round up on my side, Chairperson, there were questions around the benefits of our people from the opportunities that emanate from our COVID management response. Our own appreciation is that we should have used these opportunities to also empower people. So what DPME is going to do going forward is to say that while we deal with the the, the issues going backward in terms of uh, corruption. There are issues going forward, wherein our proposal would be that um, when we issue these tenders that are linked to COVID-19, can we do what we always say and use that opportunity to drive localization because it will not help us if what we're fighting about are products that come from outside the the country. We have been talking about empowering women, youth, people with disabilities, SMMEs. But what we have observed as a department is that when it comes to opportunities, those things are no longer realized in, in government. So they are found in speeches, but not in the actual implementation. So, Chair, because this is a serious issue, you can guide us on how you want us to interact with the parliament so that we're not only focusing on dealing with corruption. But going forward, we need to then deal with these issues insofar as they relate to the empowerment of the people. And we will be making some recommendations to the relevant clusters that any opportunity that arises, can it be linked to some of the issues that we always talk about. Then there was a honorable Kibi also spoke about the maintenance of health facilities. We, we have not looked into this issue, but it is noted insofar as it can form part of expanded public program where you take young people to refurbish the existing infrastructure, perhaps one a building new infrastructure. So the point is noted. We didn't monitor it, but we, we were taking it. The food security issue was dealt with. Then on the MTSF review, there, there are two issues. So what we presented on today is the roadmap of the review. But at the same time, we are reviewing the performance of government on the implementation of the MTSF as it stands. That is quite material because you don't want a situation whereby we replace failure to perform, to deliver, by saying that we are going to review the MTSF. So each and every point will be accounted for. We have received submissions from all government departments on what they've done up to the end of the quarter 
now related to the implementation of the MTSF. Now that report will then assist us when we go to cabinet to show cabinet that as much as we, we review the MTSF to incorporate the requirements of or the imperatives imposed by COVID, we also show you how government has been performing so that we don't use that as an opportunity to not uh, account for performance. So that report is being processed. We have received the submissions and the DDG sector monitoring in particular is leading the process of consolidating everything into a report. And as indicated, we don't want DPMA to be a post box where we just receive and send to cabinet and ourselves. They are also doing analysis to understand where there's no performance, what are the issues. Uh, on the use of technologies, there is quite a number of uh, interventions that we have put in place. We have given CSIR some money. We have my apologies, my apologies. Can you try to wrap up? Uh, also, still have got another item to deal with. So, if you may, yes. thank you. Yeah, I think we have done with the with the with the key essence of the questions. I think I was just going into details in, in, in some areas, but safe to say that on, on this issue of technology and what is being done, and we will include it in our report. Just very lastly on the issue of women, we have also done a lot of work on GBV, and we are making serious recommendations on what needs to be done in the country when it comes to this important issue, and we will try to include that and, and, and lift it in our report. So, Chair, I think on the substantive issues we are done, and then we can be guided by you in terms of how you want us to in interact in between the reporting cycles. Thank you. Um, thank you, DM and DG. Thank you so much. Uh, when you come back for the first and the second quarter, uh, would like you also to come back with the details on the issues and questions that the members have asked so that we, we also dispose of them and try to be current and current as possible when you come back. Thank you very much. Uh, if there are any other questions, uh, uh, honorable um, members, unfortunately, we don't have much time. I would suggest that if there are any other follow-ups, we may do them in writing so that when they come back, they can respond to those issues, but also have uh, provided us written responses so that also we can also make follow-ups on those issues. Other than that, uh, Honorable members, allow me to thank the department and uh, see them when we see them in our in two weeks' time. Uh, yeah, thank you very much, DM and DG and organization. You may be excused because we'll be dealing with our committee report now, which we don't not necessarily likely to be part of that uh, uh, discussion. Thank you very much. You can lock off. Thank you, Thank you, Chair. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. I, I mean, DPMP uh, team members, please remain. Thank you. Okay. And, and uh, also, we will deal then, honorable members, with uh, also the way forward in terms of these other issues that we have been engaging on, and then we can confirm whether do do you agree with my summary as it were. Okay. Other than that, Masi. If you may help me, I know we're supposed to be dealing yes, with uh, 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 whether it's going to be Julius who's going to take us through, but 
but also uh, I assume if we are dealing with the adoption of the fourth quarterly report 2019-2020. Members will remember that we are a little bit behind schedule in terms of compliance, hence the report. But I hope members did have a chance to go through the report. Uh, uh, I will suggest with that assumption, because the first uh, the, the, the first one is more of a mandatory part and the introduction and all that. Uh, we go to the present to the recommendations and observations. Yes, so you Yeah, if members agree with me. Yes, Julius will take us. Okay. Uh, silence is golden. Julius, quickly, please. Thank you. Yes. Julius, we are waiting for your voice. Oh, I forgot to. Okay. Okay, uh, good afternoon, honorable members and the chair and my colleagues. Uh, as uh, mm -hmm. Honorable Soma has already indicated that we zoom straight to the findings and observation and recommendations of the report. The first uh, report before you, before members, is the report for Statistics South Africa. And I'll just look into the findings and observation. It's for the fourth quarter of 2019-2020 financial year. The first recommendations read as follows, that the committee noted and welcomed fourth quarter performance of the Statistics South Africa, and the committee comments SSA on the attainment of 90.0% 90, 90 of its annual targets, even though the department is confronted by financial constraint, more particularly on the compensation of employees. The second one, 4.2, the committee notes high staff turnover caused by numerous factors such as lack of sufficient financial resource, resources on compensation of employees to retain due to budget uh, cuts ex experience since October 2016. The committee uh, urged SSA to fill all critical funded posts since an additional amount has been allocated for compensation of employees in 2020-21 budget allocation. And 4.3, the committee should coordinate a meeting between the portfolio committees on appropriation and finance to discuss and find a lasting solution to address financial constraints experienced at SSA, which might affect the department in a long term. And then 4.4, the committee knows that SSA has not received any letter from the National Treasury of intention to cut its budget for 2021 to fund coronavirus pandemic in the country. And 4.5, the committee was concerned with the effect of COVID-19 on SSA and, and its ability to effectively conduct a successful census 2021. The committee asked SSA to employ more young people as data collectors or renumerators during census 2021. So, honorable members, we didn't may uh, have recommendations on this report uh, for SSA, but it was just only observations. And chairperson, through you, chair. 
Julius. Honorable members, I would suggest that uh, we go we, we, we go through. Are there any comments to this one? First, let me start there. Any takers? I know that we have spent. Uh, it has been long. We have dealt also with the, with the current year, so uh, it might also cause a, a challenge in terms of uh, rewinding. Where were we in 2019? I will then, if there is no takers, then uh, 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 Julius, I'll request that we go. Then we'll fo we'll formally adopt them at the end. Just present all of them. But I'll okay. see by show of hands if members would like to speak. The, the next report, uh, honorable uh, chair and honorable members, is the report for for the DPSA. Mm -hmm. uh, with regard to the findings and observations uh, that the committee made, uh, the, the read as follows, 4.1. The committee knows and welcome fourth quarter performance of 2019 financial year for the Department of Public Service and Administration, National School of Government, Center for Public Service Innovation, and the Public Service Commission. The committee was pleased with attainment of the performance targets and spending of the budget. The committee was concerned with the cost the state was incurring in relation to the medical negligence claims from the Department of Health, particularly with reference to Kauteng and Eastern Cape province, provinces. The committee welcomed announcement of the task team established to investigate this negligence and claims submitted by the medical practitioners and lawyers. The Public Service Commission was requested to join the task team in monitoring this medical negligence for the purpose of developing a better policy intervention uh, to the cause of these claims. The Public Service Commission has to investigate the reason why disciplinary cases in the public service are prolonged without closure costing government millions whilst officials are idling at home. And 4.4, the committee encouraged the National School of Government to provide trainings across all levels or spheres of government. Training and development should be, be tailored for departments and entities that the Auditor General South Africa flag consistently with regard to unacceptable audit outcomes. The committee encouraged the school to offer more training on courses aimed to improve sound financial management such as supply chain management in the public administration and the committee encouraged the school to assist departments not performing well against their targets with relevant training needs in order to enhance their performance the national school of government 4.6 the national school of government was advised to commence offering trainings to government officials through visual platforms and online to avoid loss of income due to COVID-19 pandemic. And 4.7, the committee was concerned with the vacancy rate at the Center for Public Service Innovation as a result of the reconfiguration of the center. The committee urged the minister to fast track the process of reconfiguring the center and share the findings of the report. 
4.8, the committee encouraged the department to develop an electronic system to measure performance management in the public service. And 4.9, the committee was concerned about the backlog in finalizing disciplinary cases in the public service. And the department was encouraged to develop a new disciplinary management tool and ensure disciplinary cases are captured in the PESAL system and failure to load disciplinary, case, uh, disciplinary cases on the system should be considered as a punishable offence. The department should further provide the committee with a report on a pool of labour expect to be used in fast-tracking disciplinary cases. 4.10, the department was encouraged to make public servants aware that doing business, doing business with the state is prohibited by the law. 4.11, the committee stressed about the lack of effective monitoring on the implementation of service delivery improvement plans in the public service. The department was encouraged to strengthen its monitoring unit with the intention to ensure compliance and impact of SDIPs in improving service delivery across government. With regard to recommendations, the committee had only one recommendation uh, that has been proposed that the committee, uh, the, the committee to organize should organize a joint committee meeting with the Department of Health on the causes and the cost of medical claims as a result of medical ne negligence. Uh, through you, Honorable Chair, uh, this is the end of the report. Okay, thank you. The next one. The next one is the report on the Department of Planning, Monitoring and Evaluation. Uh, uh, the, with regard to the findings, uh, Chair and Honourable Members, uh, 5.1, the Committee knows and welcomes the fourth quarter performance of the Department of Planning, Monitoring and Evaluation and Brand as, uh, South Africa. The Committee appreciated over 80% of performance targets by both the Department and Brand SA however appealed for 100% attainments of targets in the future. The, the committee for 5.2, the committee at the DPME to implement its mandate of monitoring the implementation of the National Development Plan by developing a monitoring tool backed by evidence. The committee encouraged the department to come up with a monitoring system for measuring, for measuring the NDP. 5.3, the committee further notes an improvement by defaulting departments on the payment of service providers such as water and sanitation, agriculture, forestry and fisheries and public works. The committee stressed the importance of constantly monitoring such improvement and ensure all departments including state entities comply with the Public Finance Management Act on paying service provider within 30 days. The committee knows and acknowledged uh, 5.4. The committee knows and acknowledged the local government management improvement plan as a monitoring tool used to measure or benchmark institutional performance of municipalities. However, the committee urged the department to provide a detailed report on the local government management improvement model 
as to whether quality services and productivity, before it was production, productivity in the municipalities have improved. The department has to brief uh, the committee by October 2020 on the model. The committee was dissatisfied with the, with the instability in leadership position in most of government departments at the national level. The committee learned that most of the director general at national level uh, at national are, are, are at an acting capacity, which poses a risk to stability in the public service. The committee appealed to the minister and the president for the for, for the for the DPME to encourage all government departments with an acting positions with acting position for more than a year to advertise all senior positions and fill them. The committee will also address this instability of accounting officers with the minister of the DPSA. 5.6. The committee appreciates the fact that Brent S. South Africa finally has appointed the board of trustee. The committee encouraged the board of the board to work hard on reviewing and approving policies with the aim of improving good governance in the entity. 5.7, the committee encouraged South Africa to urgently finalize the matter of the suspended uh, chief executive officer. And then 5.8, the committee noted challenges experienced by Brent South Africa due to COVID-19 for being unable to conduct planned trainings and workshops. The committee encouraged Brent South Africa to conduct planned trainings and workshops via visual platforms. Uh, that's the end, Honourable Chair and Honourable Members of uh, DPME report. Thank you, Chulas. Next report. We are, uh, remember, we uh, in the in the last financial year, we only had oh, three Oh, yes, moves. we did it, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So we, are, we have exhausted everything. Yeah. Thank you very much, uh, Julius, for that. Honourable Members, I now present the Stats SA report. Uh, would like any input or a mover for the adoption? I'll see by show of hand. Honorable members, are we still here? I can see all of us here. We're still here. Honorable Kibi, are you here? Okay. My David, I'm here. Honourable, uh, on on over to you, ma'am. I wanted to move for the adoption of the report of the States SA. Thank you, ma'am. Any second? Chairperson. Malule. Yes, Chairperson, I would like to second the adoption of the report for State SA. Thank you. Okay. Thank you very much. Thank you, Honorable Member. May I then, uh, for the uh, adoption or comment on DPSA report? Chair. Honorable Cla is the Honorable, uh, who would like to speak? Honorable oh, Honorable Tool. Yes, ma'am. Um, no, there are no amendments that I'm putting, I'm bringing forward, Chipperson. Uh, I wanted just to move the, for the adoption of the report. Thank you, ma'am. Any seconder? 
Thank you, Chair. I would also like to second the move for the adoption. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, ma'am. Uh, now I call on adoption or comments on DPME report, uh, fourth quarter 2019-20. Any move or any member would like to make comment? Honorable members? Chairperson Maluleke. Honorable Maluleke, over to you. Yes, Chairperson, I, I move for the adoption of the report for PME on the fourth quarter report 2019 2020. Thank you very much. Any second? And Julie? Yes, ma'am. I move for the to second as adopted by Honorable uh, Malule. Thank you very much. That brings us to almost the end of Honorable Shriver. Hi, thank you, Chair. Uh, could you just note that the DA reserves are right in terms of all three of the reports? Thank you, Chair. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Accordingly, it will. Uh, Thank you very much. That will bring us to the almost the end of our business of the day. But I, I did promise that in terms of the first presentation that we received, that we should have a, a, a sort of a way forward uh, so that we can also make a follow up on the issues, on the matters. Um, I would like honorable, to say, honorable, 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 yes. Um, also know to the EFF. Okay, thank you. So I will then go back to say that uh, I suggest that we note the MTSF presentation looking forward to receive an actual actual specific report as it were, because it was just on, on, on what they're intending to do. So uh, I, I think it's better that we just say we note that one. Secondly, that uh, the department in terms of COVID-19 current uh, updated report, when they come back to report on the, on the first and the second quarter, they must also include separate presentation that will speak to the specific issues in particular they must leave those issues that the members had an interest such as one the financial expenditure on COVID-19 and the and the and the service provider providers that they were awarded to and the amounts and so forth there's two number three also probably this one is not a recommendations per se but i think that the department must also persist to say that if there are any allegations of corruption in the in the department and also they find themselves in the public space how do they then respond to that and be seen that they are responding to those allegations because some act on issues that are in the public media space somebody must open a case that that will also i think we should raise this issue when we engage also with PSA next week because they are the ones that also are charged with the assisting department in terms of disciplinary actions and ensuring that the systems and policies are old enough. 
the fourth one that I'll like to Okay, no, I'll this first one, the other one. Well, the other one that I'm suggesting because of DPMG, of course, our priority now currently in our areas of focus is the COVID-19, but also the departments and ourselves also we've got our core mandate and issues that we need to look at. That the department, we must encourage it, the department also, if there are any other issues that they feel that they need to reply the hotline, it's update and how many issues have been positively been so uh, I know that the 30 days the payment, Julius, uh, that was not in, within our, our, our space, but we'd love also to get a feel on that one. What is happening in relation to COVID-19 procurement uh, uh, processes? Because sometimes you'll find that they will neglect those uh, companies that are not well known of their space. So I don't know whether it's a better way to say well known, but it's selected in terms of also that they, they should also report whether even the due process since we followed on that. Yes, I think that. The other one that I would suggest that which was not part of the report on other numbers is that uh, DPME, when they come back, also they must talk to us uh, on, the, on the issues or, or what we find in the media in relation to friendly, uh, because there are nasty and healthy issues. That tends to say that there's a sort of uh, inverted commas using that word very carefully of instability of some sort, so that they can give us a, a sort of comfort that they are at least with the matters that are happening in brand SA. Uh, those are where, uh, the recommendations that I thought we must put uh, honorable members. The very last one on the report that we have dealt with, uh, I will suggest that Julius and uh, Marcy and the team that. Since we have adopted them, some of the issues in terms of the recommendations must see themselves in the, our tracking tool so that we can send it to the department so that they can respond to it in terms of it instead of waiting for the speaker to write to them without undermining that process, which is more of a parliamentary legal process. But the tracking system also that we agreed upon tends also to assist us on that. Uh, may I get, uh, uh, honorable members, if they would like also to say in terms of the recommendations and uh, and closing in terms of how do we see ourselves move forward for today's meeting. I'll see by show of hands or somebody shouting. Uh, okay. Uh, I'll take this one as silence is golden. And uh, I hope I'll, I'll be making a correct assumption that uh, honorable members they, they agree with my uh, summary in terms of how we think we, we must move forward on this issue of today's meeting. With that, I would like uh, to thank all, all honorable members and also wish the chairperson of the portfolio committee a speedy recovery and do stay safe to see you at plenary. Have a wonderful, blossom day. Thank you, Honourable Members. The meeting stands adjourned. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much, Chairperson. Thank you. Thank, thank you, Honourable Members. Thanks. Bye bye. Thank you, Chair. Amanda, thank you very much, Honourable Members.